Good morning. Our new sermon series as a church is on the book of Philippians. And Paul's letter to the Philippians, it's an awesome letter. And it's filled with all these really cool themes, joy and thankfulness and fellowship. And it really it really images well Paul's affection for the growing church in the ancient city of Philippi. And the Philippian church was one of the first churches that Paul founded. It was in Eastern Europe. And there's a lot of background details that we won't cover here, but I do want to summarize a few important things. And if you want any more of the details, go and read Acts chapter 16, and you can see how the church formed, who the church consisted of, all these cool stories of people coming to know Jesus. But there are a few background details that I do think are important. One of the first ones is this, that Paul is actually imprisoned when he's writing this letter. So Paul is imprisoned probably in Ephesus, maybe in Rome. And so as he writes about these themes of joy and thankfulness, we have to remember first and foremost that he's writing these in chains, in prison. And so partnering with Jesus for Paul what that resulted in was him being in chains. So that should really inform how we read this text to start. And one of the other things that's really important as we look at this is, is the occasion for writing the letter. So you normally don't just write a letter for no reason. Some people do, and maybe you are during quarantine, but people write letters for reasons. And Philippians is one of the only letters in the New Testament that's actually a thank you letter. Now, this isn't necessarily a thank you letter like you and I would write a thank you letter. Um, I mean, Grace and I got married about two and a half years ago. And so about a year and a half ago, we wrote our thank you notes. And they, a lot of them looked like this. They looked like, uh, thank you so much for the 12 coffee mugs that look exactly the same. They changed our lives. Yours truly, Grace and Tyler. I mean, that's pretty much what our thank you notes looked like. And so Paul's, I mean, we have four chapters of beautiful theology, affection. It's a different kind of thank you note than, uh, than we would look at. But, and here's why. It, it tells a story at the end of the book, but there was a man named Epaphroditus who was from the Philippian church. And Epaphroditus brought a financial gift, a gift of a bunch of money to Paul while he was in prison. And the reason why that was important is because when you were imprisoned in, in the ancient world, they actually didn't feed you. So you relied on someone giving money to buy food for you. Otherwise you were going to starve. And so Paul really front and center is his relationship with the Philippians. And so we're going to see in our text this morning that Paul is spurring the Philippians on to partner with him. And that's the theme of this text is partnering with Jesus in the world to change the world. So we're going to look at three quick pieces. The first one is our call to partner with Jesus. The second one is how our own business ventures often get in the way of us partnering with Jesus. And then thirdly, we're going to see how God brings our mission to completion. So our call to partner with Jesus, our own business ventures that get away, and um, God bringing that project to completion. So first, the, the call to partner with Jesus. Paul opens his letter with his beautiful verse in verse 3 when he says, I thank God every time I think of you. And why does he thank God for the Philippians? Because of their partnership. Now, the Greek word here is koinonia, which actually some of you might know because it's kind of a popular word in Christian circles. Koinonia, it's translated all over the New Testament as this word fellowship. 
And what we end up seeing in scripture is that fellowship is about not just communion and relationship, but there's a missional, there's a missional aspect to this. So what we often happen, have happened in our churches today is we have the relationship piece of this word fellowship, this word partnership, but we often miss out on the partnership piece. We often miss out on the missional focus of this because we often hear the word fellowship and we think, we think, uh, enjoy the munchkins. We think, let's have a meal together. Let's spend time together. And we love, we love that piece of it. And that, that is, I want to bless that and say that is an important piece of what fellowship and partnership looks like. Enjoy the munchkins. But there's a missional piece to this as well. And this is what's captured in the word partnership, how it's rendered in most of our English Bibles. Because Paul isn't thankful that he got to eat some snacks with the Philippians. He's thankful that they gave financially to support him. He's thankful that they're invested in the mission of God. Because by worldly standards, the church in Philippi, they, they don't have a lot in common. I mean, here's like a roster list of the people in the church of Philippi. You have uh, uh, an old Jewish woman who is Timothy's mom. You have a slave girl who is doing like divination and fortune telling. You have uh, a woman named Lydia who sells purple cloth. And then you have a, a prison guard. What do those four have in common? And they have absolutely nothing in common except for an experience with God. So the witness of the church partnering with Jesus, it's, it suffers if we unite on anything other than Jesus. Too often in church, what we end up doing is we end up uniting over tangential things. And this causes division. If we unite over our age, then we end up excluding those who are younger or older than us. If we unite over our wealth or our money, we end up excluding those who are poorer or richer than us. If we unite over our intellect, we exclude those who are uh, less educated or more educated than us. Or if we even unite over our political affiliation, we exclude those who are to the right or to the left of us. What anything does other than the gospel of Jesus, if we unite on anything other than the gospel of Jesus, we end up causing division. Everything else will create division. And here's the crazy thing. As a Christian, you have more in common with another Christian, even if they're of a different age, a different political party, different socioeconomic status, a different race, you have more in common with that Christian than with someone who doesn't follow Jesus. And, he, and this might be hard to believe, but here's why. Scripture only has two categories of human beings those who are dead to sin and those who are alive in Christ. There are only two categories of humans in scripture. You're either dead to sin or you are alive in Christ. So you have more as a follower of Jesus in common with the person who is totally different than you, but who follows Jesus than you do with a non-Christian who you love and who you spend so much time with and get along with and you think like, and you, you do the same hobbies. And I'm not saying that to say, oh, we shouldn't spend time with those people. We, in fact, definitely should. But I'm saying that because when we're together next, I hope we look around and look at people who are very different than us, 
but who sit in the same pews as us. And we say, let's get to work partnering with Jesus together. I mean, Paul writes in verse seven that we, that the Philippians shared in his chains. And this doesn't mean that they were imprisoned with him, but it means that their connection, their partnership with him is so significant. It's so significant that they share in his imprisonment. And there's really two reasons why he says they share in his work so much. One is the financial gift that was given But the other piece is that they are working for the same gospel as Paul is. And so even though Ephesus and Philippi are hundreds of miles away, their work is the same work. This is why we support missionaries. This is why we have relationships with other churches because partnering with Jesus is bigger than our church and it's bigger than our little lives as well. I mean, this is why when Dave Rogers shares that two people come to know Jesus through his ministry in Boston, that we share in that. Or when, when Margaret Kamoyu cares for an orphan in Kenya, we share in that because it's bigger than us and it's bigger than our church. And so if you, if you claim to follow Jesus, then everything that you do should be contained within this bigger call to partner with Jesus. There's a lot of things that we do in our lives. We, as, as teachers and as managers of people and contractors and homemakers, all the different works, work and jobs we have, those things are good and important, but they're all underneath a bigger call to partner with Jesus, to bring, to bring the good news of Jesus to the world. Those are all just ways to do that primary task. And that primary task is about having people learn about and experience Jesus. And so how do people learn about Jesus and experience Jesus through your life? Let me ask that again. How do people learn about Jesus and experience Jesus through your life? Because that's the call to partner with Jesus. I say learn about Jesus because people need to know who Jesus is. They need to know what he's like. They need to know their problem with sin. They need to know how Jesus defeated death, how Jesus offers hope. There is a knowledge piece, but I also say they need to experience Jesus through your life because Jesus talked to people and ate meals with people and healed people and listened to people. Jesus had conversation. I mean, Jesus let people experience that he was the Messiah just as much or equal to how often he talked about it. So these two things go hand in hand, learning about and experiencing. So how have you shared Jesus and how he changes your life with someone recently? I know this is more challenging during quarantine, but how have you spent your, have you spent hours of your day caring for someone? Have you provided a meal to someone? Have you called someone up and just listened to their story and showed interest in their life? That's something that we can really still do. So those are all ways in which we are called to partner with Jesus in bringing forth his good news. But what's, what gets in the way of all these things? Well, in, in, in simple terms, it's our own business ventures. It's us prioritizing our own partnerships instead of our partnership with Jesus. That's what gets in the way. And we tend to do these, these, this thing in two ways. 
The first way is we, we forget our primary partnership because we get too worried about our little lives. And I say little not to be condescending, but because in comparison to Jesus's call, it is little. So we spend our time focusing on really good things, good things like, uh, like working hard at our jobs, saving money, caring for our family. All these things are good. All these things are, are meaningful and important, but we lose track of Jesus's call when we focus so much on those things rather than on people coming to know the living God of the universe. So we, gotta, we have to remember our primary call and put our little lives underneath that one. So that's the first thing sometimes we end up messing up. The second thing we do is uh, this goes back to that Greek word koinonio, fellowship. The second way we, we, we mess things up often is by, uh, by settling for friendships rather than partnership. So that happens when we come to church each week and it's like a big family reunion of our friends and family. And that's as deep as we go. That's another way that we, that we neglect the call to partner with Jesus because sometimes we want the fellowship piece. We want the koinonia. We want the munchkins, but we don't want the partnership. We don't want the missional focus. So that's another way that we confuse these things. So our text is calling us to partner with Jesus. That's what these first 11 verses of Philippians are about. But we keep messing it up by caring about our own lives so much and by settling for friendship instead of missional partnership. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is the beautiful promise in verse six. Verse six is just amazing. So read it with me right now. It says, and I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's confidence that the Philippians partnership with Jesus and with him will change the world. Paul's confidence, it has little to do with the Philippians and it has much to do with God. Now I'm not a super handy guy. Um, I mean, so, so the other day I, I changed a light bulb and Grace was like, good job, babe. You did awesome. I mean, that's, that's where we're at. But we, so we bought our house when we moved here about 10 months ago. And there's all these little pieces of our house that we need to, we need to fix and take care of. And thankfully we didn't really get a fixer upper, but there's a, there's this like wicker basket hangy thing that we've been meaning to hang above our kitchen table since we moved in. Like we've known where we're going to put it, but we just have haven't done it because that's what we do as humans. Often we start things with these like great intentions and we just don't follow through. We just don't, we just don't finish. And maybe you're resonating with that about some aspect of your life or you're resonating about it for someone else in your family. But we often don't finish things that we start. And here's the good news of, of verse six and of this text that God isn't like us with our do-it-yourself home projects. God finishes things. God finishes things. When God says, I'm going to bring this to completion, he means your life, your maturity, your salvation. He means he has those things in his grasp and he's going to bring them to completion. And that is good news. The good news is that it relies little on you and much on him. 
The good news of Jesus, this gospel, it's, as one pastor puts it, he says, we are more sinful and flawed than we could ever imagine. Yet at the very same time, we can be more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Simply by saying yes to his free gift. In other words, salvation relies little on us and a lot on him. The mission of CBC, the mission of Community Bible Church, is bringing the good news of Jesus to every square inch of the greater Williamstown area. That is our mission. And this isn't a work done alone. This is a work done together. But having Jesus as our primary business partner, having him as our partner, it's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you a lot of time on your own personal projects. You don't get to prioritize yourself as much as you want to. And you end up having to work with people that you don't necessarily like, that you don't necessarily get along with that well. But you know what's waiting on the other side of partnership with Jesus? You know what's waiting on the other side of that? Joy. Joy. You're missing out. I'm missing out by focusing on our own little lives, our own little business adventures, what we think is best rather than on Jesus's plan to change the world by being known by every person in our area. I mean, Paul's argument from his little prison cell is that partnering with Jesus brings joy. And he sat in prison and he knew that the true joy and purpose that we've been looking for in so many other things is found in partnering with Jesus. It's found in partnering with Jesus. So partner with Jesus in bringing the, his good news to the world. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.